I've got two places I'm going to kind of come from this evening. I wouldn't call it two points, no. I wouldn't call it two points, but two different things, but they're going to tie in at the end, so bear with me on this. I may fall a little bit into teaching, a little bit into preaching, and maybe some treaching. I don't know, something in between. But whatever it is, I know it's from the Lord. And, uh, and me trying to force it into something I might want it to be, I'm just going to let the Lord have his way. And, and however I speak, it's the way the Lord's speaking through me. Uh, and uh, I, Ezekiel in the fifth, it's 36th chapter, if you want to turn to it. Verse 5, it says, Therefore, thus saith the Lord God. This is our Lord speaking. Surely in the fire of my jealousy have I spoken against the residue of the heathen and against all Adamia, which is Edom, which have appointed my land into their possession with the joy of all their heart and the spiteful minds to cast it out for prey. Now in this chapter right here, this is where the Lord is actually speaking to the property, speaking to the mountain, speaking to the stream, speaking to the water, speaking to all the physical attributes of Israel. He's talking about even the trees the, or whatever else it might be that's been so polluted in that land by evilness, so polluted by people doing things that God had called, asked them or told them, commanded them not to do, but yet they persisted to do these things in their own ignorance, in their own mind that they were, they were right and, and God was wrong. That not only were the people polluted, but so was the land itself was polluted. And I'm telling you, we're reaching an area in our nation right now where, where it's not just the people that are polluted with it, but the land itself is being polluted by strangeness, by by going on that shouldn't be going on. And God has called us to be a holy people just as he's called his people to be so. Then you wonder how in the world can, a, can a, a, this happen in a land that's, that's a, supposed to be a Christian nation, but yet there's things going out that are not Christian at all, not of Christ. And we have to be aware of that and be ready to, to look in those things and not allow our property, allow what God has given us to be stripped by the enemy. It belongs to us. It was appointed to us. It was given to us by God. And we have the rights to it. But there are people trying to take our rights away from us, take a God-given rights. I'm not talking about man-made rights. I'm not talking about the bill of rights. I'm not talking about it. I'm talking about the rights that God has given each and every one of us. He said, prophecy therefore concerning the land of Israel and moving to the mountains and to the hills and to the rivers and to the valleys, thus saith the Lord God, behold, I have spoken in my jealousy and in my fury because you have borne the shame of the heathen. Still talking about property, still talking about mountains. Ooh. But ye, O mountains of Israel, you shall... Shoot forth your branches and yield your fruit to my people. Ooh. Of Israel, for they are at hand to come. Think about this, that it, in verse 8. Just think about that a minute and, and be with me on this, okay? 
It says, But ye, O mountains of Israel, ye shall shoot forth your branches and yield your fruit to my people of Israel, for they are at hand to come. In other words, it's not going to be long before God comes. He's going to have everything prepared for you. He's going to heal the lamb, but first he has to do that before you come, but it's not going to be long. It, that's a prophet. That's what he says. That's what he's talking about, telling the lamb that they're going to be there. His people are going to be there soon. In verse 17, it says, Son of man, when the house of Israel dwelt in their own land, they defiled it by their own way and by their doings. And their way was before me in the uncleanness of a, of a removed woman. Wherefore I pour, out, I pour for my fury upon them for the blood that they had shed upon the land and for their idols wherewith they had polluted it. And I scattered them amongst the heathen. And they were dispersed through the countries according to their way and according to their doings. I judged them. And when they entered into the heathen, whither they went, they profaned my holy name. And when they said unto them, These are the people of the Lord and are gone out of his, out of his land. But I had pity for thine holy name for mine holy name, which the house of Israel had profaned among the heathen whither they went. Even those who were in Israel at that time profaned the Lord, by profaned his name by doing the same thing that the heathens was doing. You know, there's a lot of, lot, there's a lot of churches. When we think of a church and we think of holiness and we think of, of God's name and we think of, uh, of what... He's, he calls us to do. and But let me tell you something. There's churches out there doing things today that are not of God at all. There's churches out there today that are ordaining ministers to preach the gospel that are practicing homosexuals. There's people out there that are, are telling your children to lie to you about what goes on in school and whether or not if they, if they identify themselves as a man or a woman, whether they be whatever gender it might be, that they can call themselves to be whatever they want and not, to and not to tell this to your parents that they will help you go and take these transgender uh, uh, shots or whatever it is they, to turn into turn a boy into a girl and a girl into a boy. I'm telling you, God didn't make a mistake when he made you. When he made you, it was either a boy or a girl, and that's the way it is. There is no other way. But you got people nowadays celebrating that. What just this this month at the end of this month? You know what this month is called? Pride. You know what that stands for? Homosexuals. They take pride in that and they dance in the streets and they and they uh, are, are all for it. And man, they just they don't just kind of sit quiet like they used to. They way out front with it right now. And that's the way our our, our United States and the way our land is moving into a far out position away from Christianity. And they're pushing uh, some kind of profanity of, of Satan. But God says, I've had enough of it. And I'm going to do it, if not for your name, I'm going to do it for my name. I'm fixing to fix it where they, they're going to find out who's in charge. And let me tell you right now, I have no doubt in my mind that God's in charge today and he's got a plan. That he's, something's going to come up and I'm, I'm, I'm looking for it to happen very quickly. I'm, I'm waiting for God. Hmm. I'm telling you right now, 
that if we, we need to get our hearts right with the Lord. You know, there's a lot of things that we do that might not be exactly a, a big sin like what I've been talking about, the homosexuality and all those other things, murders. Man, there's a, in, in Chicago alone, there's a war zone going there where there, it seems like every weekend there's 30 to 40 people either shot or killed, not counting all the other ones. I'm telling you, the devil's sitting there laughing because people are killing their own selves, other people. He's sitting there laughing about what we go, what's going on. We who are of Christ, what is our greatest weapon that we have in Christianity? Prayer. That's one thing we should be caught up on in ahead is prayer for those who are lost, those who are, are changed, and prayer for the Holy Spirit just to come and touch people's hearts. When you were walking in darkness at one time or another, surely the Holy Spirit spoke to you. Is, it, is there anybody here that the Holy Spirit has not spoken to or checked somewhere along the line? Verse 19, it says, And I scattered them among the heathen, and they were dispersed among the countries according to their ways, and according to their doings I judged them. And when they entered into the heathen, thither they went, and they profaned my holy name. And, they, and when they said to them, These are the people of the Lord, and are gone out from his land. But I had pity for my holy name, which the house of Israel had profaned among the heathen, whither they went. Therefore say unto the house of Israel, Thus saith the Lord God, I do not this for your sakes, O house of Israel, but for my holy name's sake, which ye have profaned among the heathen, whither you went. Lord, let our walk be true. Let what we say is the same. Let us, let us follow those, those paths that God has already set for us to follow because I'm telling you, he's coming soon. He's looking for what he said, a holy people, a bride without spot or wrinkle. He didn't say that you could have some little crumpled clothes over there and do whatever you want to do and, and on Sunday come to church and, and you can just uh, mess around during the week and do what you want to do because that's not what God calls holy. God calls holy uh, walking after him. He said, be ye holy for I'm holy. We walk holy because we're washed in the blood of the lamb. The heathen's not. The heathen acts like he's in charge telling us what to do. They're on TV left and right telling Christians that we're bigots, we're, we're hateful toward other people. We got hate speech. Do you know it's not going to be too long before they're going to tell you if you preach against homosexuality that they're going to lock you up. And if you don't believe me, go to Canada and see what they do to you for doing that. It's because of the condition of the people have let things get so far out of hand that they've agreed with it or if not agreed with it, tolerated it. Because you cannot tolerate sin. I'm telling you, if it's in your house, you need to get it out. But more than that, you need to get it out of your life in your conversation in life with others who want to be that away, speak ugly, say ugly things, ugly thoughts. And you want to hang around them. He said, come out from amongst them and be ye separate is what he said. Yes. He didn't say we could just sit there and do what we want to. 
There's, there's things that God has called us to be, and that is a holy nation under him. He said, be ye holy. And, all, and I've struggled with that for a long time until I just finally accepted the fact that I'm holy by the blood of, of Jesus Christ. That's the only way that I can be holy. It's not of myself. There's not one thing I can do to be holy by myself. But when I go to my Jesus and I, and I, I kneel down to him and I, and I pray to him and, and, to, and, and, and just pour out my heart to the Lord that I love him and that I forgive me of what I've done, he is just and able to forgive me and, and, and send me on my way. He sits at the right hand of the Father to make that intercession for me. In Colossians... And I use this a lot. He said, by the body of his work upon the cross, he made me holy, unblameable, and unreprovable. You know what I can do with all that? I can get into the holies of holies. And when I can get into the holies of holies, then my prayers are, 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 are that fervent, effectual prayer of a righteous man. Because when you get into the holies of holies, there's no more distractions, but you're underneath the unction of the Holy Spirit. And you can serve in such a way that the devil cringes and runs away and cannot have any control over you whatsoever. The devil's greatest is, is, is uh, uh, doubt cast in people's minds. Did God really say this? That's what he asked Eve, wasn't it? Did God really say this? And a lot of times, God, the Bible, or you, you're trying to understand it and it says, is this really what this says? And the devil will try to turn it into evil. But if we pray for wisdom in James, he said, uh, it said, God will give you that wisdom, that Holy Spirit will give you that wisdom, not only just a little bit, but a great uh, amount to give you wisdom to understand. Because there's lots of people who do not, I mean, I, I, I don't know if there's Bible scholars in here or not, but if you are, you, you will be in the minority. We're mostly just people who read this Bible and ask God to help us understand it. At least I am. I may. I'll confess. I'm not. I'm not a theologian. I'm. I'm just. I'm just some guy that I felt a calling on my life, and a lady that was a teacher here guided and groomed me for this position right here. But you, you know, I don't have a permanent position because I don't want to be bound down to when God says go over here, you go over here. Or you do this or you do that. Because, you see, we can get so comfortable in our position that we've got that we're afraid to step out and go somewhere else and proclaim the gospel of Christ. Something happened to Israel to allow them to let their land get so polluted that God said that he wouldn't let anything grow and then he finally got in there and said, okay, I'm going to do this because... My name is being profaned now. It's like a son who was doing things to his father or doing things that were wrong, and he was bringing shame to his father to the father eventually had to put a halt to it so that he could restore integrity to his name. And that's kind of what God was doing to Israel. He says, and I will sanctify my great name which was profaned among the heathen and which you have profaned in the midst of them. And the heathen shall know that I am the Lord, said the Lord God, and I shall be sanctified with you before their eyes. For I will take you from among the heathen 
and gather you out from the countries and I will bring to you your own land or your own land. And then I will sprinkle, mm, then I will sprinkle clean water upon you and ye shall be clean. From all your filthiness and from all your idols will I cleanse you. And a new heart, a new heart also will I give you and a new spirit will I put within you. I'm so glad that I serve a God that has mercy and compassion on me. Because when I first got in the church, I was I was walking in gross darkness. I, I promise you that I was an alcoholic. I was I wasn't doing right. I was I was doing things wrong. I was uh, just in the eyes of the Lord. I was it, it was terrible what the things that I was doing. But that same that that Lord had pity and compassion upon me that He sent His Holy Spirit daily to runs into the months to finally he gets a hold of me. And on that time, God gave me a new heart. He put in me a new heart that I can have not only compassion for myself, but I can have compassion for others. God gave me that heart that was stony or took it away. And he said, with a new spirit will I put within you and I will take away the stony heart, the hard heart, the hard heart that the, the heart that wanted to take advantage of others, that hard heart that it was about me first and then you. Till he put into me a heart that says, Okay, what can I do to help you? What can I do to be of service to you? What can I how can I help in the church? Do you need a floor swept? Do you need a mop? Do you need something? Well, you wanted to do service. When you got that new heart, there was, there was something about you that wanted to do service to the Lord because you know what he had done for you. You didn't do it because there's 10 rules or 10 uh, uh, commandments to do. You didn't do it because of that. You did it because you loved Jesus. You did it because you loved who loved you more. Before, you, before I was even born, God already knew who I was. I don't know how that works. I don't know how, how it works where God was in so far back, right in the middle and then in the head too, but God is everywhere. He's omnipresence. So if I'm here right now, God was still back there if you wanted to take a timeline and where it went all through. But it gave me a heart that I can have compassion and sometimes I'm telling y'all the devil will put it on to, your, to you that you're doing wrong, that you're somehow unworthy to receive this gift. But I'm telling you, you're not unworthy to receive this gift. Jesus wouldn't have went to the whipping post. He wouldn't have went to the cross if he thought you wasn't worthy. So when the devil tells you you're not worthy, when there's something about you that's just not right, you'll never be right and you'll never be able to make it. You're fooling those people with everything that you've got. I know who you are. I know what you've done. Those are the things the devil has told me and tells others. But I got news for the devil right now. God says I'm saved. God says I'm, I'm, I've, got a, I've got a home in heaven. God says I'm blown to him and not to the devil. That's who I belong to is Jesus Christ. 
And with that new spirit, I can, I can rise up and do things that I thought I never could have was able to do before because it was he who puts it into us. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you shall keep my statutes and do them. That's walk in them, that's keep them, and that's do them. We walk in them, and we keep those judgments, and we do them. It's individually, it's impossible for us as a person to have a true life and to follow God's ways. It is essential that we remain open to that inner voice and guidance of the Holy Spirit. I know that I, know that I can't do things without God. I know it takes, man, I'm going to tell you, sometimes I, I, there's a struggle that goes on there. Sometimes there's a dryness in my life that I don't understand. Sometimes even when you call out, you can't hear the voice of the Lord. But I know this one thing, if I'll keep putting one foot ahead of the other, I'll get to where I need to be at. He said he would be a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And all I've got to do is take one more step. And if it's in darkness, stop right there and wait till God tells you to move again. Have patience. That's the way the tabernacle was. There was a fire by night and a cloud by day. And when I see the cloud, I need to move. I'll move. I see the, the, the fire, the pillar of fire, I'll move then too. I'll be whom God tells me to do. I'll be the watchman on the wall. I'll speak the warning. I'll take the heat. I'll be the one that stands there because I don't want somebody else's blood on my hands. When God prompts you to witness to somebody, when he prompts you to, to listen to the voice of him, to the Holy Spirit, and let the Holy Spirit start speaking to a, someone else, let me tell you, when the Holy Spirit, when that unction of that Holy Spirit comes on somebody, there's a difference in the way that they looked at it. They'll, get, they'll think, whoa, what's this? Because I've seen it happen before. I've seen Ben praying for people, and all of a sudden there's a, there's a change in the demeanor in that person, even the way that they're standing, even the way they're doing, and all of a sudden there's something coming out of their voice that's been different to them before. And then when the Holy Spirit uh, starts speaking in tongues through them, there's a, there's a joy in heaven, I'm telling you right now, because somebody has done got touched by the Holy Spirit. It's not something that, that's hard to, to, to get. It's just you'll get it in the time that you need it. And one time I preached Genesis to Revelation in about 15 minutes all the way through. Because it wasn't me. It was almost like I had an outer body experience. I was standing over here and whoever it was I was over here, that was it. And then the guy was talking. That was like I was looking, whoa, man, where'd this come from? It comes from the Holy Spirit through that new heart and through that right spirit. That's what happened, what he said in Psalms 51, creating me a new heart and a right spirit. Because let me tell you something, God, he, he's not looking for sacrifices. He's not. He's looking for a broken heart and a contrite spirit. One that's ready to serve him. One that's ready to do. I'll read a little background on, on this in verse or chapter 37. Chapter 37. This is point two of it. But I want to read the first 
just a little commentary to kind of give you a background. It says, The hand of the Lord, inspired by the Holy Spirit, Ezekiel had a vision of a valley full of bones, and the bones represented the whole house of Israel. I'll tell you about the whole house of Israel in a minute. The nations of both Israel and Judah, whose hopes had died when they were conquered and scattered among the foreign nations, God instructed Ezekiel to, to prophesy to the bones in verses 4 and 6. It says, And he said unto me, Prophesy unto these bones, and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the way of the Lord. And thus said the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live, and I will lay sinew you upon you, and you shall bring forth flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know who I am. See, God instructed Ezekiel to prophesy to the bones in the four and six and the bones were then raised into two stages. There was a physical, political restoration of the homeland. That's in verses nine and ten. And the vision was given to be a sure the exiles, that God's power would restore them to the place in the promised land, though their circumstances seemed hopeless. That's in verses 11 and 14. And the time between these two stages is not given, but I'm telling you, one was at that time, and now I believe we're in the second stage. So in the vision of the dry bones in this valley, the, land of the, the hand of the Lord was upon me, Ezekiel talking about the Lord. The hand of the Lord was on Ezekiel. And he carried him out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones. You know, there's a, a valley is kind of like that and it comes up. It's high on one side, slopes down until it flattens out, and then it comes on back up on another side. That valley was full of bones. That means they were stacked upon each other. It wasn't just a few bones scattered over here and a few bones over here, but that valley was full. That valley had, had lots, lots of bones in it. And when we talk about the whole part of Israel, the whole part of Israel from the time of creation to, to the time of this, uh, of this part right here, they were full of bones that belonged to God, to Israel. They were their bones. That was a whole nation. It was full of bones. Not something that could be when God, hang on a second. And caused me to pass by them round about, and behold, there were very many in the open valley, and lo, they were very dry. This is what Ezekiel was observing. And he said unto me, talking about Ezekiel, Son of man, can these bones live? And Ezekiel answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. Well, Excuse me. How many of you or me could answer the question that it was asked of Ezekiel? When you see a valley full of bones, full of bones, not halfway full, not but full of bones, and you're going to start speaking to them and that something's going to happen, they're going to rise up? There would be, or, or if they could rise up, you would have to have a lot of faith in, in God at that time to do that. 
I don't think Ezekiel had lacked faith, but I think that he was stymied there. And so he gave the best answer he thought he could give. He says, you know, <laughs> you know. And he put the question back to the Lord. And again, he said unto me, prophesy. This is where he was instructed. God instructed Ezekiel to prophesy over these bones. God didn't say that he was going to raise up the bones. Who did he say was going to raise up the bones? Ezekiel is going to raise up the bones. You're going to raise them up. Shouldn't that tell us something about ourselves that when we see dry bones and we can, God, God's, we're sitting there telling God to raise them up when God says, you tell them to, you tell them to get up. Where is your faith at? If it's full of dry bones, won't you speak to them and tell them, get up, dry bones? Prophesy to them and tell them. We see lots of people who are dry, lots of people who don't, <coughs> who doesn't have a church family. A lot of people who don't even go to church. And we need to start prophesying over these people. And their situation, whatever it might be, that they might be able to come out of a place of dry bones, a place of despair, a place of desolation, a place that they have no hope in. So it's God's telling us to start doing some prophesying. And again he said unto me, prophesy unto these bones and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. And thus says the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and you shall live. This is what God's telling him is going to happen progression-wise. And I will lay sinews upon you and will bring of flesh upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you, and you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a noise, and behold, a shaking, and the bones came together, bone to his bone. I had read this verse, I don't know how many times, and I kind of skipped over that part right there, where it says, bones came together, bone to his bone. Now, if I'm wrong, y'all tell me, but I believe that the bone that belonged to that set of bones come from that set of bones. I don't believe there was not one set of bones out of, out of joint. I don't believe there was one mismatch. I don't think there was one from a, a, a seven or a six foot guy and, a, and then there was a four, four and a half foot guy. I don't believe there was any mishaps there. I think everybody got his own bone, his original bone, the one that belonged to him, one that God gave him, the one, one he designed him and created him to have. And that's how good our God is. He's not haphazard in his work. He's not just throwing stuff together and say, go out there and get it. He is giving you everything that you need to conquer Satan. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh come upon them, and the skin covered them above, but there was no breath in them. If they had no breath, they had no what? Life. Who was breathed in Genesis was breath blown into, blew into? Adam. Was there trigger the horse? No. 
I'm sure there are going to be horses in heaven, but they didn't, Jesus or God didn't blow breath into an animal. But he did blow, blow breath in us that we might have life, that we might be above the animals. There's so many people want to worship animals, different countries and, and different places, and make idols out of them. But there is only one God, and that's Jesus. But there was no breath in them, and then said he unto me, Prophesy unto the wind. Woo, prophesy, son, unto the of man, and say to the wind, Thus saith the Lord God, Come, and, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. Read that again. And then he said unto me, Prophesy unto the wind, and prophesy, son of man. And say unto the wind, Thus saith the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they might live. So I prophesied as he commanded me. And the breath came unto, unto them, and they lived, and stood upon their feet an exceeding great army. Whew. I prophesied until I commanded, as he commanded me, and the breath came upon them and they lived and stood upon their feet as an exceeding great army I think all those who have died when I read this and I may be totally wrong and y'all can confront me later but let me, let me say it I believe with all my heart that all of those who rose were those who were killed in battle those who died for the cause of Christ every one of them that was scattered, everything that was scattered about, this was an exceeding great army. I think from the time of, uh, of Adam all the way on up that it was added to and, and it was so great that it filled an entire valley. It was so big. I believe that we who are in Christ, there's a difference for us, but I'm telling you right now, I believe that that thing was filled up full of people that had died and God had still kept them in mind and did not desert them because when it was time for them to be risen up, he was there to do it. I'm telling you right now, we got a, we got a, a nation. We got a nation that is totally wanting to follow the dictates of Satan. They want to do what they call that wokeism. I don't, I don't really understand that. I'm, I'm really, I'm too old for that. I don't care. I don't even care to understand it. But I do know this, that a lot of people, they want to follow that so that they think, they think that what they're doing is right. That they are, they are, a lot of these people are really sincere about what they believe. Even though it's wrong, they, they're sincere about it. Because they were what? They were looking for something spiritual to start with. And if we who are in Christ, as you all said earlier, prayer is our greatest weapon. Let me tell you all something. Sister Pam's prayer class, there's, there's warfare going on up there. And I know that we come down here on Tuesday, but there's warfare down here on Tuesday too. And there should be warfare in our closets. There should be warfare everywhere we go when we're going driving down the road and even your wife's telling you to watch, watch the line, watch the line. There's still a time to pray, and I know she does some praying. 
But our greatest, our greatest deal is, is actually to pray. Mm. I know this. I don't care how broken up you are. I don't know if any of y'all are broken up in here. Now, I know most of y'all, and I know you might go be going through some difficulties, but I don't think there's anyone in here that's just broken. But if you are, there's a Savior who can put you back together again. There's someone that can touch you and someone that can do something for you. And if you feel like you need prayers this afternoon, this night, you feel like there's something in your that's just not wanting to turn loose of you and keeps at you and just won't, 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 won't do what you... There's just something about you want to let it go, but you can't seem to let it go. I'm telling you, God's here tonight to let you be healed, to let your heart be okay for that new heart that he's putting into you and for that right spirit to have. Because I've spoken all that I, I, that I know that the Lord needed me to speak. But if there's somebody that needs prayer, and you want to come down. I know we don't have the music or anything like that, but we still got Jesus. And if you feel that a way that you need a prayer, come down here and we'll pray for you. We won't wait all that long, but we will pray for you. dismisses Lord we just thank you so much oh Lord for Lord speaking to us tonight oh God and Lord giving us the power Lord to prophesy over that which is seems to be dry and dead and Lord we who are full of the Holy Spirit oh God it's not only a suggestion but it's a, it's a commandment as he commanded him to prophesy and, Lord, I believe that you're commanding us to prophesy today and in the days to come. For, Lord, I, I believe that your time is near. And, Lord, that we really do need to be about the master's business. And, Lord, to touch each and every one of us tonight, oh God, and if there's any sickness or infirmities, Lord, we come against them right now. We, we prophesy against that sickness and, that, and those uh, evil things that hover around us and about us. Lord, for with their, when your ministering angels about us, oh God. And Lord, I ask you to touch each and every one. Bring safety to their houses, happiness to their heart. And touch each and every one tonight in Jesus' name. Amen.